Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., or 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. I pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. May God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out. Living Letters of the Word. Amen. The prologue of J.R.R. Tolkien's epic adventure, The Lord of the Rings, begins with these words. This book is largely concerned with hobbits. Now, for those of you who aren't a Tolkien geek like me, I'm sad for you, but stay with me. We will get to the gospel in just a few moments. Hobbits are, according to Tolkien, little people. They seldom reach three feet, and their faces were good-natured and broad, bright-eyed, red-cheeked, with mouths apt to laughter and to eating and drinking. And laugh they did, and eat, and drink, often and heartily. In other words, hobbits were excellent companions at a party, but not necessarily the best at adventures. But Tolkien's story is an adventure, and it centers on a group of nine heroes known as the Fellowship of the Ring. This fellowship is assembled to stand against the evil Lord Sauron the Great and his awful henchmen known as the Nine. This group of heroes is assembled with great care, its leaders ruminating on who would add the most wisdom and the most might to the company. One member is, of all beings, a hobbit himself, named Frodo, because he is the bearer of the aforementioned ring. However, after selecting seven members of the group, those leading the heroes can't decide on the final two. Two other hobbits appear, friends of Frodo's named Pippin and Merry, and they volunteer to join the group. And this causes a great deal of debate and conversation on whether or not the great tasks before the fellowship would be hindered by all of these hobbits. Then the great wizard Gandalf the Grey, the leader of the fellowship, settles the matter. He says, I think that in this matter it would be well to trust rather to their friendship than great wisdom. It would be well to trust in their friendship. Let's keep that phrase in mind as we turn from one adventure story to another, the gospel according to Matthew. This evening we read, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And that's a very odd phrase, fish for people. 
What does that mean exactly? And what could it mean for us 2017 years later? I have an uncle who is quite a fisherman, and not just a weekend angler, but a commercial fisherman who had set sail from his small town on uh, the coast of Denmark for weeks at a time, trolling the North Sea for cod and haddock and all of the abundance that the sea could offer. His kind is almost gone now, their fishing rights having been gobbled up by large corporate fishing enterprises, but a few still remain to this day. In their heyday, my uncle and his compatriots were the, the heart and the engine of their local community and economy, and they were very proud of what their labor could produce. And for many years, their way of life was normal on the shores of the North Sea. That is except for one moment, one moment in history when the fishermen of Denmark were called upon to do their part in a larger struggle, and they did so, and they did so valiantly. For on April 9th, 1940, the army of Nazi Germany occupied Denmark. The battle was brief, and by noon that fateful day, the small Scandinavian kingdom was then part of the ravenous Nazi empire. But in response, the people of Denmark did not capitulate. Instead, they took up arms in resistance, bombing railways and sabotaging their oppressors, eventually crippling the Nazi administration. And it should be noted that fishermen did their part. For all of the supplies that came to the resistance, all of the weapons and munitions and all of that, did not get smuggled in by land or airdropped by uh, allied planes, but they were snuck in on fishing boats under enormous piles of fish. From Sweden and from England, the Danish fishing fleet brought guns and munitions and other supplies to thwart their oppressors. And this wasn't even their very finest hour, for that happened in October of 1943, when a coordinated effort of government informants and citizens and fishermen concealed a mass migration of all of the nation's Jews out of the cities onto fishing boats and across the Baltic Bay to Sweden. The Germans had recently decided to deport all of Denmark's Jews, all 7,500 of them, but only 474 were caught, and only 57 perished in the Holocaust. Shortly thereafter, the war was over, and the Nazis retreated from Denmark, but during the occupation, fishermen played their part. The connection between that moment in 20th century history and today's gospel might seem a little obvious. They both contain fishermen. But I think there's a larger connection here that's worthy of our consideration. For when the Nazis invaded, these Danish fishermen, they didn't do anything radically different than they had been doing for many years and decades. They did not lay aside the skills that they had and suddenly take up rifle-making or espionage or something like that. Instead, they used the talents and gifts that the God had given them 
to contribute to a greater effort. And if it had not been for their gifts and talents, their boats, their seamanship, their knowledge of the North Sea, history might have been quite different. Similarly, in today's gospel, Peter calls, Jesus calls Peter and Andrew both fishermen and declares that they will fish for people. They will not be accountants for people. They will not be soldiers for people. They will not be dentists for people. They will fish for people. God uses the gifts and talents they already have and uses those gifts in a new way for a greater good. Peter and Andrew continue to fish. Peter and Andrew continue to be who they are, fishermen. But instead, they fish for people. And so, my friends, when we hear the call of Jesus to Peter and Andrew, when we hear Jesus say, follow me, we need not be fearful or self-conscious that we would be unable to do the same. For we, like Peter and Andrew, have been given gifts, some of them we already use, that can be harnessed for the glory and work of God. You may be a teacher, you may be a carpenter, you may make a mean gumbo. You may be a friend, and we can trust in that. And all of those gifts can be used to benefit the kingdom of God and do their part in bringing God's justice and God's peace to a searching world. All you need to do is join the fellowship and say yes to Jesus' call. In today's gospel, Jesus is doing something new. And 2,017 years later, Jesus is doing something here at the Chapel of the Cross. And we will be transformed by it. But the gifts and talents that will be the engine of that ministry we already have received by God. All we need to do is heed the invitation, follow him, and then we too can fish or teach or cure or coach or lead for people in the name of Christ. Amen.